Welcome to the Insight Podcast. Joining me on the show today is Dr. Aidan Mahmoudzadeh. Aidan is a GP and the co-founder of The Sleep Project. I talked to Aidan about the role of sleep masks and earplugs in improving sleep, the benefits of nasal breathing and why there's controversy around mouth taping for improving sleep, supplements for sleep, the pros and cons of wearable and nearable tech, and more. Enjoy the episode. So Aiden, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked your colleague, uh, Dr. Caitlin Chasser, when she came on the show, which was, how did you sleep last night? Uh, Yeah, okay, actually. Um, Not too bad at all. I haven't um, always slept brilliantly. Um, I've had kind of uh, quite a few different types of sleep problems over the years, and that's kind of what got me interested in it in the first place, really. But but last night, yeah, I slept pretty well. Mad dreams. I had absolutely bonkers dreams last night. Um, kind of war-based dreams, quite dark ones. But anyway, uh, that's fine. Yeah, thank you. Is that too much time on Call of Duty or something? Because that's what happens to me sometimes. Uh, no, no, it's definitely it's not not video game related at all. Um, just completely out of the blue, a bit a bit odd. But that's what, you know, sleep is a bit like that. You get you get weird things. You get good nights. You get bad nights. You get um, weird dreams. As long as it's not kind of a an every night regular thing, then it's it's fine, really. Yeah, yeah. That seems to be something that I'm picking up from other podcasts and listening to other experts. Like to not get too hung up if you if you have like one bad night of sleep a week or something like that. And you know, we don't need to overthink it um, too much. Be a little gentle with yourself, and you know, do the things maybe the next day to kind of recover from that and and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. The the um, the pe- good sleepers generally don't really think about their sleep. They don't worry about their sleep. Um, they just kind of get on with it. Um, and and worrying too much about your sleep is a is is kind of a short path to insomnia, really. So, uh, so yeah, just just trusting that it will be all right is is the main thing. Um, th- there was a there was a stat that really helped me actually when I was going through difficult sleep times. Um, and it was that after, after one bad night of sleeping, uh, the chances of then having a good night after that are about 65%. So most, the majority of people will then, the second night will be a good night, but after two nights of sleeping, the, the, uh, sorry, two, if you have two nights of bad sleep, the chance that your third night will be good is 90 to 95%. So that really kind of helped me when I was going through a difficult patch is that I might be having a bad night tonight, but a good night is coming soon. So, um, yeah, but, but you're right. The key is, is not worrying about it too much. Yeah. And so of course I ask you this because you, along with other colleagues set up the sleep project. So this is one of your things that you are very interested in and passionate about is helping people with their, with their sleep alongside yeah. your work as a GP as well. Um, right. So let's talk a little bit about more about sleep before I move on. Because I'm wondering if you, so last night, were, were there any kind of 
things that you use to help your sleep or that you recommend. For example, mouth taping is something that has come up a lot recently, hasn't it? I think perhaps because of the work of James Nestor and his book and, and other people talking about it. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on, on mouth taping, whether you do it, whether you know anyone else that does it and, and what you Yeah, think. sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, I don't do mouth taping myself. It's something that I have kind of started to kind of have a bit of a think about. And it's quite a... There's there's a fair bit to cover. Shall I tell you? Shall I tell you a little bit about the things that I actually do myself that um, that I've built up, and then we'll, and we we'll go on to mouth taping, kind of yeah, like, perfect. It's kind of a something that's come along a bit more in the last few years is is mouth taping. Um, so yeah, I over over the years I've kind of picked up bits and pieces that I think have been helpful for me. That doesn't mean they'll be helpful for everybody, um, but the things that I have found very helpful over time that I've picked up are when you sleep, your environment's really important. And even if you can get your room pretty dark and your room is pretty quiet, there's, for, for a really good night's sleep to get the deepest sleep, there isn't such thing as too dark or too quiet. So I adopted <laughs> little, um, little earplugs. They're quite comfy. They're kind of foam ones that are not too hard and comfy. So I wear earplugs every night. I wear an eye mask every night just to maximize the dark and maximize the um, the level of quiet. And I've been doing that for probably 10 years now. That was an early thing. I, I, I really kind of, I, I, I hooked onto that before I really started getting into sleep properly. So that was an early, early adoption. And, and, and as I've, as I've kind of um, learned more about sleep. I've, I've realized it's, it's pretty, you know, evidence-based in terms of its effectiveness. So I, I, I do those every night. The other thing that I do every single night without fail before, before sleep is some mindfulness meditation, um, that has a, um, really well-proven benefit, not, not just with sleep. It does help you to get to sleep quicker. It does help you to sleep deeper, but with all sorts of other things with, um, reducing uh, anxiety, with improving mental health, improving focus and concentration. So, um, and, and that's to do with um, the way that it works on certain brain systems. One called the default mode network, which is really interesting. Um, and so, those are the kind of the the main things that I do every night. I have a little bit of a bedtime routine as well, um, which is which is kind of important as well. Um, so, those are the kind of the main practices that. I find helpful that really kind of helped me to get into the space that this is now time for me to go to sleep. Uh, oh, uh, also, yeah. um, go on. Go on. Well, I was going to say the the other thing is is I was always um, being a kind of a, a, an NHS GP and and being kind of brought through the kind of um, NHS training. I always was kind of one to kind of turn my nose up at supplements and think you know they're not really kind of evidence-based and and they're not properly regulated and a, a lot of that is true a lot of that is true but there is some evidence um that suggests that magnesium supplements can help uh to bring sleep onset on a bit quicker um and there are also there are also some evidence for it benefit in in depression and anxiety not 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 you know the, when there's supplements that you don't get these giant kind of what, what we call randomized control studies and you don't get um, meta-analyses, which is where they look at loads of trials together as one kind of super trial. You don't tend to get that high level of evidence, but there is some evidence that magnesium can be helpful. So, so I take that. And I think it is helpful when I, 
kind of run out if I've forgotten to reorder it. I do think I notice a few nights of worse sleep. Could well be the placebo effect. Who knows? But um, but I uh, but I but I take some uh, magnesium as well just to try and kind of top things up a little bit. Yeah, no, that's really useful to hear. And and magnesium is something that I've definitely heard more about um, on kind of sleep specific podcasts talking about supplements. That seems to be the one that that comes yeah. up as being something that's effective and safe. Um, and so, yeah, if, if why not try it and see if it makes a difference? Yeah. We're going back to what you said about the sleep mask. Like that is, I think, one of the best five pound investments that I've made in the last two years was my cheap sleep mask from Amazon. Yeah. I'm actually just thinking because it's so like worn out because I wear it every night. That I'm thinking I need to upgrade, and I might, I might really treat myself and go for like a 10, 20 pound sleep mask. But I, I it was going to really say- make a difference, doesn't it? It's awesome. It does. It does. I was going to say you've got quite a posh one. I might usually pay a quid for mine, or use oh, one that's yeah. left over from a use one that's left over from a flight. But yeah, you, you do need to change them once in a while, otherwise they get they can get pretty stinky after a while. But uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, at first at first I thought oh it's it's going to be kind of uncomfortable. I'm going to notice it on my face, and mm-hmm. and actually I kind of you get used to it pretty quickly actually, and. Now I would feel really, even regardless of the dark, I would feel really strange trying to go to sleep without it, and that's because I'm mm. conditioned to it. I'm used to wearing it, and that, and that's it. Really. Yeah. So, so it's part of my bedtime routine. But yeah, uh, highly recommend it. Cheap and cheerful. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, it does the trick for me. Definitely. And I just think that you, you notice the difference. I think the first night I slept with one, it was like, oh wow, like how have I not been doing this? for years because you, you, I just felt like the sleep was so much deeper. It wasn't just the getting to sleep quicker. It was the, I don't think, I think maybe I woke up once. I, I don't know. Like, I know it's hard to say, but I, I just feel like I had a much deeper sleep and I do yeah. have much deeper sleep. Not every time, but almost every time when I'm wearing the sleep mask and when yeah. it's dark. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the science is that it probably has more of an effect on the depth of sleep rather than right. getting off to sleep quicker. Um, cause we know that ev- even a little bit of light in your environment. So, um, we, we don't recommend night lights and, and, and those sorts of things. Cause even a little bit of light in your environment can affect the depth of your sleep. And that has an impact on all sorts of things that we didn't used to realize. So has an impact on your metabolism. So if you, um, if you have some light in the background when you're sleeping, it's likely that your blood pressure won't, you normally have a nice nice drop in your blood pressure overnight when you're asleep, it's likely that your blood pressure won't drop quite as far. It's likely that your glucose metabolism won't, um, won't dip quite as low as well. So there's, there's, there's a whole host of kind of metabolic effects that, um, that more and more evidence is coming to light that sleeping in total darkness is, is much better for you. Mm. And it's interesting because it might be one of those things where someone, um, sleeps and wakes up the next morning and they've had their kind of set hours of sleep and think okay that's fine and that and that's okay uh, but it's only when you have that really deep like rejuvenative regenerative sleep that you go oh wow that just feels so much different and and perhaps that's down to some of the effects that you just said but anyway i might be harping on a bit too much now about uh sleep max- masks um can we talk about mouth taping i want to yeah yeah of course yeah 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 sure <laughs> so so it's it's a really interesting topic and it's one that I wouldn't say I've fully changed my mind on but I'm definitely my position from my initial kind of reaction to it has changed significantly so there's no I don't think you can 
we can have a discussion about mouth taping before we've kind of really covered and 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 talked about the benefits of nose breathing of nasal mm. breathing because that's really what it's for that's really what it's about so a lot of people are habitual mouth breathers during the day at night time and breathing through and there's no doubt there's no question the science on this is well known and and long standing and very solid that breathing through your nose is better for you better for your health than breathing through your mouth and this is really where mouth taping kind of comes in and, and the reasons for that that there's numerous reasons so breathing through your nose filters the air so you have mucus in your nasal passages you have little ha- you have your, your obvious nasal hairs which which help to filter kind of bigger particles you some have- of us more than others I've yeah, got a few yeah, more than I used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have, I have to, I, I have to groom my nasal hair on a on a semi regular basis. Um, <laughs> the only place on my body that I don't have hair is my head. Um, <laughs> the, so um, yeah, so the, the the kind of nasal hairs filter out the big particles. You have mucus, which helps to kind of block some particles. You have tiny little microscopic hairs on the nasal mucosa on the on the kind of the the surface the in, inner surface of your nose called cilia which help to clear out muck from the air so breathing through your nose filters the air it humidifies the air it gets it keeps allergens out it keeps bugs out so that's one of the kind of big benefits of of um of nasal breathing but it's not just that there's a lot a lot more to it than that when you breathe through your nose, you get much more production of a chemical called nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is really important for lots of, has lots of functions in the body, but in terms of the kind of nasal breathing side of things, it's an antimicrobial. So again, it's part of the immune system. It stops viruses and bacteria from getting into your respiratory tract, but it also is a vasodilator, which means it helps blood vessels to open up. And what that does is helps to lower your blood pressure. So, um, so, nit- so, so nasal breathing improves nitric oxide. It is, it improves your dental health as well, breathing through your nose rather than breathing through your mouth. So when you breathe through your mouth, um, you get a dry mouth. People who are, are, are mouth breathers often wake up with a very, very dry mouth. And that's one of the, one of the kind of signs of somebody who's breathing through the nose, uh, sorry, breathing through the mouth. So a dry mouth, lacking saliva, the pH of your mouth drops, and that leaves you much more prone to gum disease, um, dental caries, tooth decay, that sort of a thing. And then the other thing as well is breathing through your nose helps with stress reduction. So it helps to um, activate your, I don't know if you come across the, the autonomic nervous system before you have this kind of automatic part of your nervous system, which is split into two branches, the sympathetic nervous system, which is not very well named because it's not very sympathetic. It's the kind of, it's that you probably heard the fight or flight reaction. So the sympathetic branch is your kind of alert fight or fight, uh, fight or flight reaction side of it. And then you have the parasympathetic branch, which is your rest and digest system of your automatic nervous system. And so nasal breathing helps to switch on the rest and digest system. It it helps you to use your diaphragm for your breathing more than your 
um, rib muscles. And so it helps with stress reduction. So there's, I don't know, five, six really big kind of reasons to breathe through your nose. So, and, and that's really what mouth taping is about. That's It's about trying to, to kind of capitalize on those benefits. And the way that you do that is, as I say, a lot of people are kind of habitual mouth breathers. It's not that they, they they can't breathe through their nose. It's just that they are used to breathing through their mouth. And trying to train your brain to breathe through your mouth, sorry, trying to train your brain to breathe through your nose rather than your mouth is what mouth breathing is all about. Mm. So the the kind of, um, the... I said mouth breathing. I meant mouth taping. Mouth taping. What mouth yeah. taping is all about. <laughs> so when people kind of first hear about it, they think, oh, that sounds a bit drastic. And they and they picture yeah. a, you know, a kind of a hostage situation with gaffer tape sealing your mouth. And it that is not what it's about. And that is not how it's recommended to do. Um, the way that you the way that you actually do it is with a little bit, you should use tape that's intended to be used on skin. Mm-hmm. And um, you put just a little bit of tape. There are there are kind of you know branded versions that that kind of are made specifically for this purpose, but they're not cheap, and there isn't really any needs to use them as long as you use some tape that is made for skin. So Micropore is one kind of medical tape that we use quite a lot, um, but there are others as long as it's designed for skin. And all you do is you put a little bit of a little bit of tape taping your top lip to your bottom lip, and you don't want to do it too too tight. It's just to kind of gently hold your lips together. And all it's there for is to remind your brain to try and keep your lips shut. And that will train your brain to then breathe through your nose rather than automatically breathing through your mouth. And and that and that's all it is really. It shouldn't be, it won't be tight enough that if you needed to breathe through your mouth, you couldn't. It's important that you can. Um, but it's a re- it serves as a reminder to over time to gradually remind you remind your brain to uh, to breathe through your nose rather than your mouth and and as time goes by the more you do it we're very we're creatures of habit the more you do it the more you will naturally do it and you'll more naturally remember to do it and the more you'll do it during the daytime rather than rather than at nighttime uh, rather than just at nighttime. Some people, if they're a bit unsure and they want to try it, one one kind of good idea is to actually try it during the day, is to just put a little bit of tape on your, on your lips during the day, and then you know you're awake. You don't need to worry about it. You can take it off if you want to, um, uh, and you can give it a whirl. But, yeah, that's 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 kind of how you do it. The The kind of journey that I've gone on with it is, I think, a journey that a lot of clinicians are still stuck at the beginning part of. And I think over time, my guess is we'll probably see people move more in the direction that I've moved. And the initial kind of knee-jerk reaction to someone saying, oh, I'm going to try mouth taping is, oh God, no, that's not safe. That doesn't sound safe. And I get where that comes from. That was absolutely my original reaction to it. and, And part of the reason is because there aren't studies in this there's i can only find one kind of robust study in uh, in this and i think it's and i think that's because it really wasn't a done thing until yeah you're right james nestor's book breath is is a thing that's kind of started to popularize it and it's only really in the last two or three years that it's got onto the radar of 
clinicians because prior mm. to that it was you know it was quite underground really it wasn't really you know it wasn't widespread but i think tiktok has had a big part in in kind of popularizing it and and so yeah as clinicians our initial kind of knee jerk reaction is oh god that doesn't sound safe um one because there aren't any studies in it and and i think that's a very valid point but the second reason why we kind of instinctively think that it isn't safe is we worry about people stopping breathing in the night there's this condition um called obst- obstructive sleep apnea which um is is nothing to do with na- mouth taping per se but um the the condition of sleep apnea is where people for short periods of time will stop breathing during the night and their oxygen levels drop briefly and then they start breathing again they don't die it's not something that kills you um but it does make you feel very tired because you have lots of kind of micro awakenings when you mm. uh, when when your body realizes that the oxygen levels are dropping it wakes you up so that you wake up and take a take a breath and the reason why people's uh, why people stop breathing is be- usually because something in their airways blocks off briefly. And so I think a lot of clinicians think, well, if you're t- taping your mouth, it's going to compound that. It's going to exacerbate the risk of that. But if you really kind of think about it properly from a clinical point of view, most uh, the vast majority of people who um, have obstructive sleep apnea, the blockage is not a nasal blockage. The blockage happens at the back of their throat, at the level of the pharynx. And a lot of them are mouth breathers. And so if you really kind of think about it on a deep level, there isn't a reason why somebody who doesn't have a nasal blockage, why this should cause more of a problem to them. And actually, the study, the only kind of really robust clinical scientific study that I can find on the topic was done last year and was and it and was actually done on a population of people who had mild obstructive sleep apnea and what it showed was first of all it was completely safe in in that population and that's the population that i think a lot of doctors are the one you know we worry about so it showed that it was completely safe in that population but interestingly it showed an improvement of about 50% in their sleep apnea by doing mouth taping. And it showed an improvement in their snoring. Snoring is very closely associated with with sleep apnea. So although that kind of gut reaction is to go, oof, this doesn't sound safe, the, the very population that we're kind of a bit worried about using it, not only does it seem safe, it actually seems to benefit them and improve their sleep apnea. So I'm certainly in the camp that I'm starting to change my mind on it. I don't think we're all the way there yet in terms of, you know, we have one study. now, And this was a study, I think it's important to know, it's a study of people with mild sleep apnea, not a study on people with, with moderate or severe sleep apnea. I think we definitely need wider scale studies and there's no question that they're going to be coming the fact that it's become such a big talking point and such a big practice is um, it means that there will be further studies on it. But actually, that kind of knee-jerk reaction, I think, probably isn't right. Mm-hmm. The um, so yeah, so so there's still there's still kind of a lot of work to be done. I would say I don't think anybody has in terms of the safety. We obviously need a lot more studies, but there's 
I don't think anybody, there, there are no reports of anybody dying trying this. And I don't think that's at all likely, really. Um, if you do it, if you do it the way that we recommend, people have a nose, they can breathe through it. If they need to breathe through the mouth, they can. The body's urge, if the, if if it happened during the night that you did stop breathing briefly, just like the people with sleep apnea, the body's urge to take on more oxygen is way stronger than a little bit of tape on your mouth. It will wake you up or make you take a forceful breath through your mouth that will dislodge the tape. So there's no, uh, you know, uh, risk of death isn't something that we're worried about here. But as with any new treatment, we need, it needs studying in the long term to see what the kind of long term benefits and risks are. Because quite often with, with treatments that are developed, they seem brilliant. And then many years down the line, we realize that there's a, you know, a longer term issue that we weren't aware of. So we can't, I can't put my hand on heart and say it's absolutely safe. What we do know is there are lots and lots of case reports which are not 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 kind of robust clinical evidence, but lots and lots of case reports of people who feel much better by using uh, by using mouth taping, and I don't think we should ignore that completely. And people whose sleep metrics, you know, uh, loads and loads of people are measuring their sleep data these days with with wearable technology, with nearable technology, um, and whose whose sleep metrics improve in terms of the amount of REM sleep and deep sleep that they're getting. So it's, it's a really interesting area for, um, for further research. And I, I think I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you want to give it a try, then for most people, I think that's okay. I would say if you have moderate or severe sleep apnea, you should speak to your doctor first before you try it. At, I would be of the opinion, personally, for most people in that category, it might still be okay to try. Um, I think the the area that we got to be careful is people who have nasal obstruction. Um, And people who have a nasal obstruction, again, it's not likely to be a life-threatening thing to try, but it might be more challenging. I think that people who have a deviated septum, people who have um, rhinitis and nasal congestion, people who have nasal polyps or sinus problems. These are the people who I think ought to speak to the doctor before trying it. Mm. I myself, this is something I forgot actually from when you asked me before about my sleep thing. I have a quite a severe um, septal deviation in my nose. So um, the, the the nasal septum is the kind of bit of cartilage that runs down the middle of your nose and it separates your left and right right nostril. Mine is very severely deviated to the right. And so I have very limited, air, well, I basically have no airflow through my right nostril and my left is kind of okay, but it, it can't compensate. So I haven't tried it yet, mouth taping, but I think even that, I'm not, I'm not ruling it out. I use those little nose plasters to help to keep my nasal passages open at nighttime. That's another thing that as a kind of classically trained, um, quote unquote, medical doctor, I used to poo poo because all all the uh, evidence out there says that they don't work. But um, 
an, ev- an evidence base saying they don't work doesn't necessarily mean they don't work for anybody. There could still be some people in that trial who they were very effective for, but when they look at the trial overall, the stats don't bear out that that there is a, a statistical significance to their effectiveness. But secondly, most of the trials for the nasal uh, plasters are done to try and see if they prevent snoring, which they don't really. Uh, and I use it for a different purpose to kind of keep my right nostril open. So that's something that, you know, mouth taping, as I learn more about it, is probably is something that I'm going to try at some point. But I would definitely say if you have any kind of nasal obstruction, then that's something you should speak to your, your GP about first before you try it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thanks for kind of breaking that down and, and going yeah. over the, the different the, reasons why and then the controversy as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot to unpick in it, really. But the, yeah. the, um, the, the, I think with people with nasal congestion, I don't think they should kind of get despondent about it because if you are a mouth breather, if you have nasal congestion and you're waking up with dry mouth and bad breath and all the other things that kind of mouth breathing brings, there may be a, a problem there that needs doing something about. And, and, and seeing your GP about that is, is a sensible first step because one of the things that makes your nose the most congested is when you don't breathe through it. So if you can kind of take the first steps of improving whatever that underlying problem is, and, and there are lots of treatments for nasal congestion, nasal polyps, deviated septums. If you can take the first few steps and then start to get some air flowing through your nostrils and start to focus a bit more on breathing through your nose, that will then start to have a knock-on effect of improving your nasal congestion and improving your nasal airflow. So it, it can be the first few steps that you take that actually opens things up. And the more you open them up, the better things get over time. So so it can be, if you can't breathe through your nose, that can be a sign that there's something going on and it's definitely worth um, getting that looked into. Yeah. Well, I have to say that's exactly my story with using mouth taping. Um, people that know me from when I was a teenager in my 20s constantly had a blocked nose, would always yeah. be suffering with it. It would affect my kind of eating. It probably was affecting my sleep more than I realized. It was just, if it wasn't one nostril blocked, it was the other, or it was just both. And it was just like, you know, it could be streaming. I had, you know, felt like it um, constantly suffering with kind of allergies, hay fever and things like that. And it was two, three years ago when I dived into this world, thanks to James Nestor, thanks to Patrick McEwen, found out more about nasal breathing. Um, and so one, yes, was just trying to breathe through my nose a lot more and then experimented with mouth taping. And my experience was with it was the first couple of nights, the, the way they affected me, it, it, it made me more anxious. It, 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 like I didn't, it wasn't fun at all because I was kind of, I was struggling to breathe through my nose because it was so blocked. And so then I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be like, and, I, and I'd either taken it off in my sleep or I did wake up and go, oh, no, 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 and took it off. But I persisted. And now I can breathe through my nose pretty, pretty consistently. It feels so much more open. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is how it could have felt when I was younger and growing up and suffering. And now it just, I can breathe clearly through my nose. I, I ran for an hour, I, you know, I share this on social media quite a bit, but I, I ran for an hour on Saturday and I breathed through my nose the entire time. It was a relaxed, 
nice run, breathing completely yeah. through my nose. It's so yeah. open and it feels like, and this is what um, I think James Nestor and others says, uh, you know, use it or lose it, that yes, it will be blocked, but then the more you use your, your nose to breathe, it will gradually, gradually open up. And now um, I don't take my mouth anymore, but I'm pretty sure I'm still breathing through my nose because, you know, that's like kind of like halfway between sleep and awake where you, you kind of wake up and, I just know that I've been breathing through my nose. I can, I can just feel it. I can just feel how relaxed I am and feel how open yeah. it is. And it's like, oh, wow. It just, it, it just made such a huge difference to me. Um, and so I just think it would be a shame for other people to not experience that. And I know that's just me. That's just my case study, but it feels like lots of other people are saying the same thing. And I am seeing a lot of pushback now against mouth breathing. It feels like more on LinkedIn for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but seeing people say, no, no, this yeah. isn't safe. This shouldn't be recommended. Whereas, I don't know, like you said, it doesn't seem like there's been any um, really I, I think dangerous it's, reports I think or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's a natural and completely understandable um trained clinician response to it. Right. Oof, that doesn't sound that A, that doesn't sound safe to me, and B, there haven't been studies done in it. Um right, yeah. but yeah, as as I say, I'm really changing my mind. But yeah, I think that your your story is a really interesting one. And um I think that my my feeling, I don't think we're there yet, but my feeling mm. is that in the future. Um, there will be an evidence base and a recommendation of mouth taping as an actual treatment for nasal mm. congestion. I don't think we're there yet. And I think if you have nasal congestion, we should proceed with caution. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of promise in that. I think that probably will be recommended as a treatment in future. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting area. I think some of you mentioned Patrick McEwen and and um, and and, you're, and and running and and that reminds me of another benefit of nasal breathing, which which I forgot about actually, and that it improves your oxygen transfer, it improves the kind yeah. of rate of oxygen delivery to your, your body uh, over mouth breathing, which is a benefit not just when you when you're exercising, but particularly more so when you're exercising. Um, yeah, I think some of um, some of Patrick McEwen's claims about nasal breathing curing asthma are a little bit far-fetched and i think there actually is a study on that that didn't find uh, on mouth taping specifically for asthma and it didn't find any benefit in the asthma um but uh but yeah it's a really interesting area and there's there's lots lots more research to be done for sure yeah yeah that echoes um a conversation that i had with a, an, another doctor a while ago now um because one of patrick mcquinn's books is called the breathing cure and she was saying the same thing like that it just uh to suggest that it's an absolute panacea that's going to fix asthma, allergies, your teeth, everything, um, you know, help bring up healthier and happier children, like might be a bit over the top. I, I think. That's However, great. at the same time, like I, I, I see how it's affected other affected other people. I see the difference it's made to my life, and it's like, okay, where's the balance here? It's it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Look, I, I think that. Um, Modern medicine and science is 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 in its kind of um, middle age years or, or kind of early middle age years. A lot of the kind of really clear things, really kind of low hanging fruits that we already know about. I think things that we are learning about now are your kind of marginal gains. So I think that don't get me wrong. I think it can be life changing for some people who have specific mm -hmm. problems, but I think for most people. It's about making that five percent improvement in in how they feel and and how and their and their general overall health. Yeah, for sure. And I think your prediction about it being, 
either prescribed or just more like an acceptable recommendation is right. I think, I think that's going to happen. And uh, w- why not try it? Because like you said, you don't have to buy the expensive. I think there are like Patrick McEwen, Bateco clinic endorsed uh, things that go around your mouth. Yeah, you can yeah. get some medical tape from the pharmacy. And that's what I use. It's the tiny little strip of paper and just give it a go and persist maybe yeah. for a week or two and see if it makes a difference because it could well make a difference. Yeah. 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 I, I think so. And I think I am going to try it at some point. Definitely. Do it and let us know how you get on. I will, I will, I will. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I live, I live near, uh, close to a hospital, so every so often an ambulance will go past and I think the yeah, mic yeah. picks it up, but there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, any other controversies in, in the world of sleep that you are <laughs> heavily in? I mean, you've talked about the, the Robbie Fowler-esque um, things that go on your nose, what they call like the, the, the dilators uh, yeah. as well. So, so maybe that's it and maybe we're done with the controversy. But I'm just wondering if there's anything else that you've come across where you're like, I'm not too sure about that or there's still some uh, debate. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, so there, there's lots of kind of... Um, you know, a lot of the sleep supplements have some, I don't know, you call them a controversy, but they have some some evidence, kind of weak evidence that they can be helpful, um, but not the kind of robust clinical evidence that we want for, an, for uh, a treatment to be approved by the NHS, for example. Um, yeah. So that, you know, there's, there's kind of, um, I, I wouldn't call them controversies, but but kind of ambiguity about whether certain things are effective or not. For, for those sorts of things, um, you know, um, uh, valerian root and and um, uh, melatonin and all those kind of sleep supplements that uh, people talk about, I think my, my advice would be to people, if you want to give them a try, give it a try. Don't buy a year supply in one go. Try it for a month or so. Um, and if you find it helps, then then fine. They're not going to do you any harm. Um, but don't put all your eggs in that one basket. They're not going to, somebody who has a very severe problem with insomnia isn't going to have it completely cured by some tart cherry juice, for example. Um, what we're, we're talking about those is, is, is if the, the evidence that exists is A, not the most robust, and B, shows small benefits from, from each of those things. So don't put all your eggs in that basket, but by all means, give it a try. The thing that I always do if I'm going to try something is I try it and see if it helps me and keep a diary of how you're sleeping. Mm. But I don't, it doesn't end there. The placebo thing, the placebo effect is a, is a very important and strong effect. I'll then let deliberately let it run out and see whether I have the reverse effect. Does my sleep get a bit worse when I've run out of it? And if it does, if it doesn't, if it makes no difference, I won't bother getting it anymore. I won't buy a new batch. But if it does get a bit worse, I'll buy a new batch. Does it get better again? Okay. It still could be the placebo effect, but you at least know that it works for you then. And it's not just coincidence that you're sleeping a bit better. So um, so that's how I kind of approach supplements and things that are less evidence-based. Mm. I like that. I, I like the message of self-experimentation. See what works for you and don't kind of rely on just what's popular at the moment and just yeah. go with it without even thinking, but actually being really um, conscious and mindful about what you're doing and and trying to really understand yourself more. I think that's yeah. really important. And then and, the other point think- about uh, kind of, sorry, the, the, the extra things that you can do, like supplements and stuff, it's a bit like exercise, isn't it? 
you, you know, so many people, I think once they're, they're, they're trying to improve their physical health, they want to get fitter, maybe want to look a certain way. And they're looking at like the tiny little things that will provide the marginal gains, like which protein powder should I have and which pair of trainers should I get? And it's just like, no, no, no. Like if you want to get fit and strong, you just got to work out. <laughs> You've just got to work out hard. And if you want to sleep better, yeah. I'm sure for many people who are um, experiencing bad sleep, it's it's a big wide picture, isn't it? It could be stress, it's family life, right. it's work, all these things. And a magnesium tablet isn't necessarily going to fix that, is it? Overnight. Yeah, me, that, that's absolutely right. You've, you've got to get the basics right. You've got to get the big, the big issues sorted. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, you're right that, 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 anxiety stress mental health mental health is a big part of it worry about sleep itself is a big part mm. of it um and and what what can be a tendency with with supplementation is people really get down a rabbit hole of it and, and there's probably i don't know eight eight or ten supplements that have been shown to have some benefit in sleep and and it's quite easy to kind of start stacking them and think well yeah maybe maybe the magnesium has helped a little bit but i'm still not quite right why don't i add some um, some uh, myo-inositol to that. And that's, uh, is that helped a little bit? Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe it has. Maybe I'll add some valerian root. And and it's quite easy to to kind of stack them on top of each other. And there's no evidence that that makes any difference. And you're quite likely to end up wasting a lot of money. And probably more importantly, you're focusing on the wrong things. Um, yeah. You're focusing on the supplements whereby you should be focusing on the uh, bigger picture things that you can change that will have a big effect on your sleep. Which would be environments, you know, the build up to sleep, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two, I guess the two big, um, if you want to break it down into two kind of big, um, uh, set subsets of issues that impact on people's sleep one is their behaviors around sleep and environment is mm. part of that how you are kind of um how you are um uh, how you are kind of that how you're acting in terms of the bedtime routine and bedtime environment and what you do around sleep when you can't sleep very well those sorts of things so the behaviors is one big part of it and then thoughts and worries about sleep is the other big part of it and not not just about sleep thoughts and worries about about lots of different things. So, so behaviors and thoughts are the two big drivers of poor sleep. And that's really exactly where the main treatment for, or the most evidence-based treatment for insomnia comes from. So the most evidence-based treatment for insomnia is called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, it's completely different by the way, to cognitive behavioral therapy for um, depression, anxiety, or the mental health disorders. It's, it's not even remotely related to so that's a completely different kettle of fish. And, um, that's what, that's where the treatments are based. So cognitive treatment is the C stands for cognitive. And that's based around the thoughts and worries about sleep mm -hmm. and behavioral behavioral is about your sleep behavior. So the environment being part of it, the, um, what you do if you're not having a good night's sleep being part of it. What a lot of people do when after a, after a bad night's sleep, what we call kind of safety behaviors is, is another big part of it. So, uh, so cognitive behavioral therapy kind of addresses both of those things. And it's what at, at the sleep project, it's what we base our 
main adult insomnia program on. It's called it's called Retrain Your Sleep, and it's based on the principles of of CBT for insomnia. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I'm going to go back to what you said. I think I don't know if I misheard. You said something about wearable tech, the fact that people are you know tracking their sleep more. Did you also say nearable tech? Did I mishear you? That said nearable tech. I did say I did say nearable tech. Yes, I've never heard that near- that phrase before. So nearables so are tech that is near you. Yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> what exactly what they sound like. Yeah, so. Um, it's uh so uh, you, you could some there are some you, you don't necessarily with smartphone apps you don't necessarily need to actually wear something you don't necessarily need to have an apple watch or a, or a fitbit or a um or a, or a ring you, there are smartphone apps that will that you put near you that sense movement and that sense your uh, and the, and the uh, the microphone uh, kind of uh, picks up noise uh, but there are also higher tech devices that you place on your bedside table and they, they sense, uh, they sense temperature and they sense movement and they sense, uh, sound and they are pretty good. They're at least as good as the wearable ones as well, at least as good as your Apple watches and, mm. and um, aura rings. Uh, and they, they give you some, uh, helpful sleep data as well. So the, there's one called the sleep score max, which is the one that's kind of, uh, has the best evidence base behind it. Uh, but yeah, so, so for people who don't like, cause I'm, I'm the same. I don't, I, I hate anything on my hands and wrists. Um, to people who don't yeah. like that, um, who don't like that kind of feeling of something being on them, uh, nearable technology is, is out there and is available. I hesitate to recommend it to people because there is, it, it has its place. It can be really helpful, but it can also be harmful. And so there's a, there's a balance to be had and, and uh, how much kind of emphasis and, and, and uh, how much, how much kind of time and, and mental energy you put into reading and worrying about the results yeah. it gives you is, is something that's really important. And, and, your personality type is part of that, really. There, there have been studies that found for people who have sleeping difficulties, particularly insomnia, they are not helpful and probably overall do more harm than good. Um, again, that's not going to be for everybody, but overall, for the majority, one of the kind of hallmarks of, of insomnia is that people tend to focus on their sleep too much. And getting technology in to start measuring your own sleep isn't going to help you to focus on your sleep less. It's going to go more in the other direction. And there's actually a, um, a, a, a term that's being increasingly used. It's not kind of classified as a, as an official medical term yet, but it's being used a lot more in, in kind of clinical circles, uh, a term known as orthosomnia, which is uh, people who are, who have become overly kind of reliant and obsessed on their sleep data and obsessed on on improving their sleep metrics and it actually makes your sleep worse so yeah nearable yeah. technology is is uh is something that's that's around and it's probably going to become more um it's probably going to become bigger in the in the in the marketplace over time i would imagine Yeah, interesting. I'd I'd never heard that before. But 
You're right. And it's something that I talked about, James Hewitt, a human performance scientist. He was a previous guest on the show. And we were talking about the kind of anxiety that can arise from using some of these devices. Because of course, if you're tracking everything, you're bound to have a bad night's sleep, aren't you? You're going to wake up and it says that your recovery score is low. So you're like, right, forget it. This day's ruined. I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to lie on the lie on the sofa all day. You could just get obsessed, couldn't you, with all the data? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not like I'm not completely against them. I know lots of people. I think mm. that I think the benefit is in in educating you. So I know lots of people who have actually realised yeah. through this through tracking the sleep data that even having one alcoholic drink in an evening, one beer, one glass of wine has a significant impact on their sleep and particularly their REM sleep. Um, yeah. And, and if that, if that kind of, you know, if that, if that, if that teaches you something about your habits and your sleep and it leads you to not have that glass of wine in the evening or have it less often, or, or maybe even better, um, use that information to your advantage so that if you are going through a difficult patch with your sleep, you definitely avoid it. If you're going through an okay patch and you're with friends or whatever, you know you you know the time you pick and choose the times. If it's educational for you and it helps you to understand yourself better, great. But it's important to use it in the right way. And and at the moment, I think we're really in the infancy of these devices. We re- we they are developing and being rolled out at a faster rate than we can. Uh, then we can really kind of, kind of get to understand how they're affecting us and how best to use them. So I think we will eventually start to catch up. But um, yeah, at the moment, there's a lot of there, there are harms to be had as well as gains with it. Yeah. Right. I was going to talk to you about the default mode network as well because you brought that up earlier. It's something you're interested mm. in. It's something I'm interested in. But I'm conscious that we're coming up to 48 minutes now, and I think oh, we've, we? we've covered okay. so much about sleep. And I'm and I'm thinking that if we if we uh, leave this episode as as a really useful conversation around sleep, the environment, the tech, the nasal breathing, the mouth taping, then that yeah. would be fantastic. And I'm hoping that you'll come back on the show to talk yeah, to me sure. about something that we're both really interested in. Does that sound okay, Aidan? I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. Yeah, it's uh, the default mode record fantastic. is fascinating and is something that's a really big part of so many kind of areas of our life in terms of sleep. It is a, it's important with sleep, but mental yeah. health is extremely important um, in terms of um, uh, in terms of um, creativity. It's really important. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to come back and talk to you more about that. Great. Yeah, because I've been looking into it a lot and I'm a bit confused, so I've got a few questions for you. But an- another time, we'll come back to it. Definitely, time. yeah. Before you go, I'm going to ask uh, three more kind of quick fire questions that I ask yeah. every guest. Um, the first of those is, what's that one lesson you wish you'd been taught when you were a child? So um, I had a good long think about this because I knew this question was coming. And... Uh, uh, probably a couple of 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 quite uh, they're not the same thing but they're, they're kind of in the same ballpark and kind of related um so in my kind of later years in the last kind of five years or so i've done a lot kind of a lot of reading and a bit of of kind of interest in developed an interest in in stoicism and one of the kind of key tenets of stoicism 
is understanding that there are things that you can control and they really boil down to your own behaviors, your own thoughts and behaviors. And there are things that are outside of your sphere of control and learning to not worry too much and try to influence things that are outside of your sphere of control is really something that I wish I was taught at an earlier age. And, and, and to be honest, my upbringing probably taught me the opposite. Um, you know, you, achieve, you must achieve everything. You must try and grab hold of everything. Nothing is out of, out of your reach. Um, and, and so that's really a, a lesson that I wish I'd, I'd learned a lot sooner. Uh, and the other thing that is, it's kind of a cliche, but the cliches, they, they all come from somewhere, don't they? They come, they, they become cliches because there's a lot of truth in them mm. and, uh, kind of related to the stoicism side of things, but not, not exactly is, is don't sweat the small stuff. Um, I have always been a details person. I, um, have always been somebody, you know, I've got a lot of perfectionistic traits and I realize over time that that just isn't good for you. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your physical health by extension. And so not sweating the small stuff. I've vowed to myself, I'm never going to have another argument with my wife about the way the dishwasher is stacked again. Um, these sorts of things do not matter. Uh, and so those are the kind of the two kind of related lessons that I wish I'd, I'd learned earlier. I wish I'd been taught to me as a child. Yeah. It reminds me that something I was uh, told about relationships, which is it's better to be happy than to be right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it applies to the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There definitely. What's, um, what's one habit I could add to my day that could help me feel great? Um, I think that, so the, 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 the obvious answer here is, is um, meditation daily, mindfulness daily. There's so much evidence, but the cat, the the answer that I want to give is because I want to give it to myself. And for a long time, I've been trying to I've been trying to tell myself to do this because there's a huge amount of evidence base behind it, in it, particularly in its in how it helps with depression and anxiety. And that is practicing gratitude. Mm. It's something that I have a real mental block around like i'm i'm happy to do all the other things I, like so you know I, th there was def there was a time where i looked upon mindfulness as as woo and and a bit kind of not for me and and once i kind of once the kind of scientific evidence base builds up and there's so much of modern science that is starting to catch up with ancient practices so lots of things in yoga and old kind of um eastern kind of practices that for years for well for thousands of years have have been done and to be honest I'll, I'll hold my hands up i used to kind of look down on and think you know that's not that's not real that's all woo and it's and and i think part of that is because the explanations that were given for how it, how they work don't really fit with science but now that modern science is catching up and giving us mechanisms for how these things work mm. i've become a real believer in a lot of those things um, and practicing gratitude is one of those things that has loads of evidence base behind it. And I have a mental block with it. And, and I guess maybe some of that is because it feels a bit kind of happy, clappy American. And maybe some of it is because it feels a bit kind of that it has kind of 
religious undertones to it, whereas I'm not religious at all. I don't know. Um, but that's one of the things that I think that I really should start doing and would like to start doing. And it doesn't have to be big things. The evidence base shows, you know, it doesn't have, you don't have to kind of be thanking, be, be thankful every day for, um, for how, how your children or for, you know, massive things for, for your health. It can be, it can be little things. It can be a little exchange with a friend or it can be a smile that you exchange with a shopkeeper or whatever. It can be little things that kind of brighten up your day. Um, but yeah, kind of writing down and there's lots of apps and things that you can, that you can download. A lot of them are free. Um, writing down three things that you, that you're thankful for every day has been shown to have a really beneficial impact on mental health. And if you could give everyone in the world one book, which book would you give them? So I thought long and hard about this. And I think from my sleep project hat, uh, with my sleep project hat on rather, <laughs> the book that I would probably recommend that people read, a lot of people have read it, it was a very, very big uh, bestseller. It was a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, which really kind of goes into a lot of detail about how sleep works, why we do it, but what the benefits are of getting more sleep. So I think that's really, really important. But I also thought, like, I'm not a massive reader. I'm not a massive reader. And and I'm more into audiobooks than I'm reading. And, and this is another thing that I've kind of discovered in, in 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 later life is I think it's because I'm a much more auditory person than I'm a visual person. So hearing somebody tell me stuff is much more, you know, it impacts and lasts much longer than than me reading words on a page. Um but um we can give a book recommendation and the likelihood is a few people might go off and read it and they might get great benefit from it. But I think that a lot of people, probably the majority won't. And so I thought that actually it might be nice to give a quote, which I think is a really kind of important quote as well. And, and a quote that I've found kind of really life-changing. It really kind of helps me to kind of just reflect on things and, and realize that actually I am in control of a lot more than I think I'm in control of. And it's a quote by, Viktor Frankl, who was an Austrian psychiatrist and author and Holocaust survivor, and it's a quite it's quite a famous quote. It's out there a lot on uh, on, on the internet, and I'm probably about to butcher it, but uh, from from memory, and uh, it's about it's about realizing that you have more control over how you respond to things and how you react to things uh, than we think we do. Uh, and the quote is the quote is uh, is is thus: between stimulus and response, there is a space. In this space lies our freedom to choose our response, and in our response lies our growth and our happiness. And for me, that was a real kind of aha moment in life, where you kind of know these things already. You kind of in yourself know that you don't have to respond to things in a certain way and, the, and you do choose how you respond. But to actually kind of have that, that kind of put into such words and really beautiful words, I think, as well, and, and to, to kind of really think about that and reflect on that was, was a real aha moment, Re kind of realising that there is this kind of space and in, it, this, it, when something happens... You don't have to 
respond automatically and immediately to everything. You can use this little space to think about your response and choose a response that is best for you. And so that's a, that's a, a quote that had a really profound impact on me. So there you go, two, two for one. Love it. <laughs> it's great. However, can I rain on your parade straight away? <laughs> Because it's so funny that you'd say that quote. It's so funny. And and you said it perfectly. And and I completely agree that it's a fantastic quote. And I love it. And I've shared it in the past. And I have credited Viktor Frankl as well. But it's why it's funny that you said that is because literally yesterday, a guy that I love on Twitter who shares really interesting insights is called Steve Magnus. Uh, He used to work for Nike. He's he's a running coach. Um, His book called Do Hard Things, you know, all about training and our kind of um, our approach to grit and resilience. His his tweet from yesterday reads this. This is one of my favorite quotes. It's spot on. I love Frankel's work. And he and he quotes the quote that you've just shared. Um, and then he says, the problem, Frankel never he, said it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he That's didn't usually, say it. That's usually the way, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. I do it all the time, quote people, and, and then you like you dig a di- bit deeper and it's like, oh no, actually they didn't say it. Apparently he says the quote's origin is from Stephen Covey, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, Covey wrote of loving Frankel's work and stumbling upon the aforementioned quote, which he thought perfectly summarized Frankel's work. And then he goes on to talk about it, I think just basically saying that it's been attributed to Frankel, but actually they're not sure who, who said it. Right, right. So there we go. There's, 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 another fanta- there's another fantastic book for you. That Stephen Covey book is a is a uh, okay. is a real life changer as well, isn't it? But yeah, the, the power is in the quote, isn't it? Rather than, than exactly who, said it. who who cares who said it first? Exactly, yeah. like David Brent um, says in the office, doesn't matter who said it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, apparently, George W. Bush never said the problem with the French is they don't have a word for entrepreneur. Apparently he never said that. So, uh, is that so, right? Yeah, you, those the great <laughs> the great quotes are never quite uh, they're never quite all the same, are they? But exactly. Uh, but like but you yeah. said, it but, is it's all about the message. It's all about the message, and that is a for sure a, a powerful message that I've experienced. You know, in the last few years through the work of meditation mindfulness, that when you when you open that space and you think, no, no, I don't have to react to this straight away. That's another thing that can just change your whole outlook on everything. So thank you so much for sharing and and thank you for for sharing the other book recommendation. But again, thank you for sharing the quote, even if I completely just then. No, no, every every day, (laughs) every day is a school day. Every day is a school day. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. uh, Aiden, how can people um, get in touch with you and find out more about the sleep project? Yeah, so um, so we're absolutely passionate about bringing great sleep to as many people as possible. Um, so we make uh, sleep programs for all walks of life. So if you're a parent with a baby who doesn't sleep well, or you're an adult with insomnia, or you're just somebody who wants to maximize your sleep uh, for to to get the best health and peak performance we've got it we've got a program for everybody and you can find those on our website which is www.thesleepproject.life and then we also have um instagram which is uh at at the sleep project with hyphens between the words um youtube at the sleep project with hyphens between the words and we're also on linkedin for any businesses who 
are interested in our services for their employee well-being programs. Uh, we work with a lot of businesses to try and uh, improve, kind of to try and reach more people uh, in one go. So, so yeah, those are the places to find us, and there's something for everyone. So there's no one who can't improve their sleep, really. Nice one. Aidan, thank you. I'm grateful to you and to Caitlin, uh, two members of the Sleep Project, for giving up their time to talk to me more about sleep and to talk to the audience as well um, to hopefully get those good habits, those good approaches to sleep and get everyone sleeping better. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found my conversation with Aidan insightful. If you did enjoy the episode, please share it with friends, family and colleagues who you think would find it helpful. And please also support the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Thank you again, and I'll be bringing you another episode very soon.